Hi, welcome to the City View Phoenix podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hey, how many of you guys like to people watch? Any people watchers in the house? Yes, that's fun, right? How about this? How about people listening? Okay, so people listening, let me take you there. You've probably already done it. So this is the game where depending on the voice and the words that the person uses on the phone, you try to guess what the relationship is or who the person is on the other side. Does that make sense? So depending on how they answer the phone and their voice, you try to determine, okay, is this a a spouse? Uh, Is it a boyfriend? Is it their boss? Is it someone they love? Is it someone they hate? Is it their parent? Is is it their kid who's in trouble? And, And it's just kind of a fun game to play. So depending on how they answer, it might be something that's kind of, it's kind of cool. It's kind of it's kind of sweet. Hello, babe. Right? And so you're wondering, okay, that's probably not mom. It's probably not boss. But the mom calls and it's, oh, hello. Or boss calls, yes, sir. Or, y- y- yes, ma'am. Or how about the spammers that, that you like, anybody like to answer the spammers and, and have a particular kind of voice for them? It might be, yeah. Or my favorite is just to answer and not say anything, just to show my rebellion and defiance uh, against the person on the other side of the line. You know, we have different kind of voices depending on who we're talking to, what the relationship is, what that person represents, and how we like it or don't like it. You know, we, we all do. We all have it. Even Jesus, even Jesus had different voices depending on who he was talking to. We're going to find out what that really means, why it's important today, and why it mattered then, and, and what are we going to do about it? But first, let's go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for being a great God, a God who is powerful, a God that is faithful, a God that is loving, and a God that is right here in our midst and wants to change and save lives. God, right now, I, I want to pray for the churches in, in Myanmar. It's a country that's just war-torn, is, is being ruled by a military government right now. And God, and I, know, I know the churches are going through a hard time. God, I pray you give the pastors and churches there just another level of courage as they seek to reach out to the community that's hurting so bad. God, I pray that you would be with us here, these churches here in the valley. Sometimes it's all too easy to come to church here, and sometimes it's all too easy not to come to church. Lord, I I pray that you would help us as a big C, capital C, church of this valley reach every single person with your love and with your grace. And God, I pray that you would move here at City View this morning as you draw people closer to you and help them take new steps in their faith. In Jesus' name, we all said... Amen. And my name is Mark, and I've got the privilege of being one of the pastors here on staff at, at City View, and the privilege of just being here and being able to share God's word with you as Jeremiah and his family continue on vacation. Um, guys, we're, we're continuing this series, this journey through the book of Mark. The book of Mark is the, the second book in the New Testament. Jared said it well last week where he said the Old Testament is the old way of relating to God. The New Testament is the new way of relating to God. And how many of you guys are thankful for the New Testament? Anybody? Yeah, I, 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 know, I know certainly I am. The New Testament, it ushered in this new era, this, this new covenant, this new promise, and it was all based on Jesus, and, and Jesus changed everything. So we're looking at his life as it relates to the book of Mark, 16 chapters of action, of healings, uh, of teaching, and just watching Jesus move and watching him save. What, what have we learned so far? We've learned that Jesus called some guys and he said, drop your nets, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. We learned that dropping our nets could be dropping our pride. It could be dr- dropping, dr- dropping our jobs, dropping, the, dropping 
dropping our identity, dropping the things that kind of dictate our lives and keep us from Jesus and how important it is to drop them and just simply follow Jesus. We've learned that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He said it's the sick who need a doctor, not the healthy. It seems really obvious, but the more you think about it, the more you realize, oh, it's, it's the people that know they need help that, that need Jesus. And the people that think they're good, that they're good enough, that they can be good on their own, they don't, they don't need Jesus. Last week we learned about how Jesus redefined how we look at and relate to God the Father. Instead of looking at him as God the Master and running from him, we look at him as God the Father and we run to him. And how that changes everything. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we can relate to God as we relate to Jesus. All this sounds like really great news and everyone should be so excited. The problem is, here in the, in the book of Mark, there's a lot of people who aren't excited. There's a lot of people who aren't down with Jesus' mission, and they clash even with him, and we're going to look at what that looks like here today, but here's the one thing that I want us all to know, that I want us all to go home with. It's a a simple truth, but it's a life-changing truth, and it's this. Jesus came to save people, not religion. Jesus came to save people, not religion. If you're, if, you're, if you're people here today, go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, that's us. Jesus loves, saves people. That's so important. Let's check out this, this end, the, the, the middle of, of Mark chapter 3. We're going to look at a portion of Scripture, and then we're going to bounce back to verses 1 through 6. But first, 9 through 12. Just kind of get, get the story going. It says, Jesus instructed his disciples to have a boat ready so the crowd would not crush him. It's a popular guy already. Mark chapter 3. Jesus is already being pursued by people. He had healed, it's, it continues, he had healed many people that day, so all the sick people eagerly pushed toward to t- forward to touch him. And whenever those possessed by evil spirits caught sight of him, the spirits would throw them to the ground in front of him, shrieking, You are the Son of God! But Jesus sternly commanded the spirits not to reveal who he was. So, okay, everything's great. Everyone loves Jesus except the demons, right? The the demons know who Jesus is. The the demons, they they know, they even believe who Jesus is, but they refuse to surrender because there's a fear and a a hatred toward Jesus. We're going to get to that a little bit more in a moment. But there's more than just the demons that that view Jesus as enemy. There's another group. We see them in chapter 2. And, and they, they, they confront Jesus, and they, and, and they throw questions, they throw accusations, they throw doubt. And, and, and they're seeing this, this man, this Jesus of Nazareth, begin to, begin, to, begin to come against everything that they believe. And they don't like it one bit. The first confrontation was Jesus healing a paralytic, a, a, someone who, who hadn't been able to walk for years. And before Jesus heals his physical infirmity, Jesus goes straight to the heart because that's who Jesus is. And he says, your sins are forgiven. And, and, and on the outside, this group is saying, oh, wait, you did you hear that? No, nobody can forgive sins but God. That was confrontation number one. Number two was when, when Jesus was eating with the, the traitors of society, the sinners, the, the scum, and, and, and this group again on the outside is looking in. See what Jesus is doing? Does he even know who he's eating with? Confrontation number three is Jesus wasn't following the, the rules or traditions of fasting, and they can't believe it, and they say, why don't you and your, your disciples fast? 
Confrontation number four, later on in chapter two, is Jesus, again, breaking the rules. You'll see a pattern of Jesus breaking rules, breaking traditions. Why? Because Jesus came to save people, not religion. And so now Jesus is breaking the rules again of Sabbath, and this group is just beside themselves, and you're breaking all the rules. Why don't you follow the Sabbath? And Mark chapter three begins with confrontation five in a row. What does this look like? What's about to happen? Well, you guys follow along. Get your Bibles out. You can follow on the screen, or you can go to the Version Bible app. Go to other. Go to events. Find City View. Let's check this out. Mark chapter 3, verse 1. Go ahead and say amen if you're there. That was pathetic. Go ahead and say amen if you're there. Okay, there we go. So verse 1. This is important. This is, this is Jesus. This is who he came, who he came to be. What he came to do, Jesus, verse 1, Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Let's stop right there. We're going to take this kind of verse at a time. Guys, I just encourage you, you can open up your Bibles all throughout the week and let Jesus, let the word just speak to you. It's so simple. And he'll, he'll he'll, he'll help you understand. Let's just look at this in all simplicity. Verse 1, he went into the synagogue and noticed a man with a deformed hand. What's going on there? He noticed somebody. That seems simple, but let's not breeze past that. Jesus notices people. Remember, he came to save people, not religion. So immediately he goes in the room. He doesn't notice the beautiful white curtains on the side of the stage saying, oh my goodness, God must be doing amazing things in this room because look at those white curtains. He doesn't see the green pews. He doesn't see the baptistry. He doesn't see drums. He, he doesn't see microphones and lights and stuff. He notices people. And immediately he goes in and he sees this person and he doesn't just see them, he sees their hurts, he sees their pain, he sees their past, he sees their identity, he sees their withered hand, but there's more to it. Jesus sees you here today. Jesus notices you. He doesn't walk by you, hey, what's up, how you doing, and doesn't stick around for an answer. No, he notices you. And you might not have a, a deformed hand, a withered hand, but maybe there's something that's deformed or withered in your life right now and they're struggling. Maybe you've had a really tough weekend or a tough month. Maybe you've got a, a tough relationship going on. Maybe you have a hard conversation that you have to have this week. Or maybe there's an appointment this week that you're not looking forward to. Maybe something is going on in your life. And I want you to know that Jesus notices you. He notices what you're going through. And he cares for you. And he wants nothing more to to save you, to love you, and for you to know that he is going to be right beside you every step of the way. Verse 2, since it was the Sabbath, now the Sabbath is just a, it's a, it's a day of rest. It's this idea, this, this tradition of, of, of particularly the Jewish religion, as we continue, you know, even here today, we would consider this as a Sabbath and that we worship God. And, but back here, this is a time when you didn't work on the Sabbath. You didn't do anything. You prepared in advance so that you wouldn't have to do anything that day and your sole focus was, was on God. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing, a great practice, and, and it's something that we can do today in different ways so that our focus can be on God. And as we get so busy with our schedules, it's easy to schedule God out of our life. And the Sabbath is an opportunity that we have to put God first as we find those moments in our week to focus on Him and nothing else. 
But here it's just this tradition that you don't do anything on the Sabbath. So it's a Sabbath, and this is very important to the story. Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. You see how important the Sabbath was to this group of people. Jesus' enemies. Now, Let's just clarify, Jesus' enemies aren't particularly people, it's always that spirit behind the person. You know, we're, we're not in a, a, a battle of flesh and blood, we're in a battle of, of, of darkness and principalities, this darkness that's rebellion and rejection of God. And, 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 and in these people's heart, they have this rejection toward God as they are seeking to protect something else. They have a different mission than Jesus does. You see, Jesus will eventually become either the savior of your heart, or the enemy of your heart. Eventually, down the road, your heart will decide, yes, Jesus, save me, or no, Jesus, I don't want you, I don't need you, I reject you because I found my own way, I found my own path. He will either become your savior or your enemy. There's not much in between. You see, we got Jesus, and we got this, this group here, and, and, and then you got the man in the middle with, with, with the deformed hand. This group over here, they didn't, they didn't notice him. They're so focused on Jesus, and they're waiting, and they're watching, plotting, premeditating, on Sabbath, mind you, (laughs) a day to worship God. They're waiting to see what Jesus will do. Notice there's no ifs, ands, or buts about his ability, Jesus' ability or power to save, power to heal. (laughs) The Pharisees, this group, they already knew he could. But they were wondering, would he do it on the Sabbath? You see, they were so focused on Jesus as an enemy that they missed Jesus as a Savior. Verse 3, Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. So simple, right? So simple. Hey, hey, come. Come stand in front of everyone. You see, Jesus is setting the stage. Sometimes Jesus is mysterious sometimes he's secretive in his ways and in other times rare times he is very public and this is one of those public moments as if to say get up here in front of everyone hey everyone get your phones ready to record this moment turn the lights on higher because we want everyone to see what God is about to do with this man and for this man he's about to do something great he's about to perform a miracle but notice the simplicity of his request come Come up here in front of everyone. I, I love how Jesus is simple. Jesus, his, 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 his commands, his requests are always simple. Jesus says, love other people. Isn't that simple? Jesus says, get baptized. Isn't that simple? Jesus said, put other people before yourself. Jesus said, invite others to church. Isn't that simple? Invite people to come to know me. I mean, it's simple, right? But sometimes obedience is not so simple. You know, just a couple weeks ago, we have a guy at our church that invited two people to church while he was waiting for his car to get its oil changed. And those two people actually came to church for the last two weeks. It's simple. It's simple. It's what we're teaching our kindergartners right now in City Kids. Love, be a friend, invite people to know Jesus, follow Jesus. All these things are, are, are simple. Jesus, he, he had this day in mind, this time in mind, this, this person in mind, because Jesus is always intentional. Jesus doesn't do 
accidents. Jesus doesn't do random. Let's see what's about to happen. Verse 4. Then he turned to his critics. So this is, this is the voice turn. You know, when you're, you're talking on the phone, you know, with, 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 with your spouse or with your girlfriend, your boyfriend, and all of a sudden someone you don't really like is on the other line, but you know you got to take it. So you go from like sweet and chill to like harsh and nasty. Jesus is talking to this man. Hey, come up, come up front so everyone can see you. And he turned to his critics and asked, Does the law permit good deeds on Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. From here we can't really tell, is Jesus wanting this to be a rhetorical question or did Jesus want to start a conversation? But we do know that this group was beyond conversation. Remember, this this is like game Five. We've been in a series of confrontations. This is a battle. And, and this, this group of Pharisees, they're done with conversations. They're ready for condemnation. They see Jesus as an enemy. As Jesus is, is stepping on everything that they hold dear. They're, 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 he's stepping on, on, on their religion. What is their religion? In short, their religion is tradition. The religion is tradition, and, it, and for the sake of today, to, in today's conversation, I would just define religion as something that, that you have determined as a way for you to get to God, or, or a way for you to save yourself. This is what religion essentially is, and that's why we wouldn't call Christianity a religion, because in religion, it's us people trying to reach to God, and, and in our faith, it's, it's Jesus not just reaching to us, but coming to us to save us, to have his arms spread on the cross to die for our sins. Jesus is is wrecking their religion, this tradition. You see, there's over 600 laws in the Old Testament that that the Jews were supposed to follow. And and a big reason why there were so many laws is so it, it, it helped people see there was no way outside of Jesus, the coming Messiah, that we could save ourselves, that we could be good enough. And... And so these, this group of people, in their, in their passion to follow the law, and their passion to teach the law, and their passion to see other people do the same, they created additional laws around the law to keep people from even getting close to breaking the law. Let me just illustrate with something silly like HOAs. How many of you guys are excited about your HOA if you have one? Exactly. So and let's say an HOA says no yellow houses. I think we could all agree with that. Not maybe the cool mustard yellow, but how about that Crayola yellow? Who wants their neighbor's house painted with Crayola yellow? No, nobody does. So let, let's just say they, they make that a rule. That's a law, and everyone's like, okay, we can accept that. Now, there's a group then within the HOA says, but we don't even want anyone close to painting their house yellow. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to make another law to go around that law, and it's going to say this, no yellow flowers, no yellow decorative pillows, no yellow furniture, no yellow decor, no yellow anything out in front of your house, because if you even get close to yellow decor, maybe you'll get close to yellow paint on your house, and that would be breaking the law. So no yellow. Yellow is bad. If yellow is your favorite color, you got to repent. No yellow. Hear ye, hear ye. It's ridiculous, right? But this is what, this is what these, these traditions have done. It's just compounding tradition after tradition, year after year. And all of a sudden, nobody knows what they can do anymore except the holy group of the Pharisees. So they hold all the cards. They hold all the power. They hold all the knowledge, all the know-how, all the answers. And everyone else is separate from God. They have no idea where they even relate to God because they can't keep up with all the compounding rules and traditions. And here's Jesus saying, 
Now, I came to save people, not religion. I'm, I'm, I'm about saving people, not following tradition. You see, following religion can keep you from following Jesus. Isn't that crazy? Following religion can keep you from following Jesus because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You can never be good enough. You can never earn it. You can never reach high enough. You can never, you can never make it. That's why we need Jesus. What about traditions in the church? We don't have those, right? I mean, we have traditions about everything. Traditions about color. Traditions about seating. Traditions about baptistry. Traditions about music. Traditions about communion. Traditions. Traditions bad? Of course not. But when traditions become the focus of the worship, something's wrong. When traditions become the focus, when, 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 we, when we change a form, when we change a method, when we change a tradition, and it's as if we, we change Jesus' name from, from Jesus to Joe, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, we can't do this. This is, this is changing everything. Is it really? Or is it just changing something on the outside so that it can be more accessible to more people so that Jesus may be praised and Jesus may be worshipped? We have to check our, our traditions. We have to check our religions at the door, and we have to put them before Jesus and say, okay, is this keeping me from following you, Jesus? Is this helping me or hurting me? Is this helping me invite more people to know you? Or is this keeping more people in my life further away from believing in you? Verses 5 and 6, this kind of wraps up this story. What did Jesus do? Well, he, he looked around at them angrily was deeply saddened by their hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand, and it was restored. At once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. Jesus could have done this another day. He could have, he could have done it another way. He could, have, he could have done it in secret, you know, behind the synagogue after the, after the Pharisees had gone home. But he didn't. Because he wanted to make a point that a new era had come. An era where we're not trying to follow laws and traditions to get to, to God, but that God has come to us. Jesus was, he was angry. He was angry at the spirit in their hearts. He was angry at their stubbornness. He was angry at the hard hearts. He was, he was angry at, at, at this mission that stood against his. You see, the Pharisees were doing everything they possibly could to protect religion, protect tradition, protect their pride and, and their status. And then ironically, seeing what Jesus did, he broke the tradition, he broke the rules, he helped that guy on Sabbath, can you believe it? And what they go do in all of their holiness and righteousness, they go plot to kill Jesus. They premeditate on Sabbath, they premeditate murder with a group that was their enemies, a group of, 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 of Herodians, of Herod supporters, a group that they would not normally associate with, but isn't it amazing what a common enemy will do to other enemies as they group together to, to snuff this common enemy out. If Jesus came to save people and not religion, and we can begin to wrap our minds around what that looks like, the, the next question is obvious as, as we begin to look from, from, from outward to from, from looking at, the, at, at this time in the Bible 
to looking inward into our own hearts, the question that has to be asked is, what is, what is your religion? Now, there's all, all sorts of flavors, all sorts of favorite desserts, right? There's all sorts of religions. All sorts of ways that we, as, as people, that have crafted to get to God or to feel like we're connected with God. A, a, a way that kind of rejects the, the gift of grace and, and mercy and salvation that Jesus has offered. And, and we say, well, no, 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 I, I've got this, I'm good, I'm going I'm to try my own way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get there myself. It might be tradition. Tradition, like the Pharisees, might have become your religion, your, your way of relating to God, and, and maybe you, you didn't see it until now. Maybe your perfect church attendance. Maybe serving others is, is a way for you to get to God. Maybe, maybe, maybe for some of us, we become our own God and serving and pleasing ourselves. Maybe our religion is, is not even our own. <laughs> it's the faith or religion of a family member, and we just kind of hitch our wagon to theirs. I mean, we've heard it before. Well, my grandma's a Christian. That means your grandma's a Christian. That's great. Or maybe it, you know, it's our, our success or our abilities, and, and we feel like we're good enough and, and until, until we feel like we're not good enough, and then our religion fails us, which is, the, which is part of the point. Re- religion will, it will, never, it will never love us back. It will never die for us. It will never save us. It, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a man-made construct to make us feel better about ourselves and where we stand with God, but in the end, we don't feel good we've uh we've got this walmart by our house um and so we go there quite a bit by convenience sake and and we've built some relationships with some of the people that that work there and there's this guy that we've known for years his name is lalo and so we see lalo a lot of times hey lalo lalo's a cheery guy and uh he um he wasn't so cheery last week though when my my wife went to walmart and and he looked kind of down and so so my wife Kim said, "You know what, Lalo? What's wrong?" And he's just like, "I'm I'm scared." And Kim said, oh, "Scared about what?" And, and he said, "Well, I'm I'm having surgery this week, and and I'm and I'm just scared. I'm it, I'm 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 scared about going to hell." Just just came right out, said it. I, I'm scared of going to hell. And she said, well, "Why are you? Why do you feel that way?" And he said, "Well, I just I I I don't know." I, I don't know if, if I would go to heaven or hell. I, 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 I accepted Jesus, you know, years ago, but he said, I, I pray every night. I pray every night just in case I don't wake up the next morning so that maybe I'll go to heaven instead of hell. And so here in, 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 in the aisle of, of Walmart, Kim is unpacking and re-unpacking for him the truth of the gospel and, and, and what the gospel is versus what religion is and, and how much Jesus loves him and, and how, how he doesn't, Jesus doesn't ever intend for him to feel that way. You see, this, this, this guy Lalo had, had bought into his religion and he, and he missed Jesus. Here's, here's what you got to do. Since we know that Jesus came to save people, not religion, here's what we all need to do is we need to drop our religion and come to Jesus. 
drop your religion and come to Jesus. Again, Jesus never asks us to do something that's really that difficult. It's just, it's simple, but sometimes the obedience part is difficult. Sometimes the surrender part is, what, is, is what's hard for us. Drop your religion and come to Jesus. And, and I just encourage you to be asking yourself today and throughout the week, what is my religion? What are, what, what are things that have come between me and Jesus? What are ways that I, that, what are walls that I've built that's keeping Jesus' love and forgiveness from coming to me so that I can drop that? Because we need to let Jesus step on our religion and ruin it. And so it's just us and Jesus, and we are experiencing his love, experiencing his grace. Not, not, not having to wiggle around these, 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 these blockades and go over these speed bumps and jump through the hoops and go through these classes and log hours here so that we can maybe know at the end of the day that we're saved. But then tomorrow we got to do it all over again. That's not, that's not Jesus who died for us once and for all. Just think about that guy with, with the deformed hand. I mean, he, he was there on Sabbath. He was doing the right thing. He was follow, trying to follow the rules. He's in the synagogue. But He didn't care that it was Sabbath. If something, if, if something was going to heal him, he was ready. Jesus said, just stretch out your hand. He's like, okay. It wasn't, oh, I don't know. Today's Sabbath. Those guys over there are going to be mad. No, he just said, this is it. This is the moment. Maybe this is the day that changes everything for the rest of his life. Who knows how long he'd been crippled. Who knows how, if that was from birth or, or from, from a, a work accident, you know, weeks previous. But what matters is Jesus saw him, he noticed him, and he wanted to heal him and save him. And he wanted to tell the world, because it's recorded right here for us thousands of years later, to let us know that the same Jesus is here today. He sees you, he notices you, he sees your heart. And he's just saying, just stretch it out. Give me your heart, because I came to save you not religion. So just drop it and come to me. It's the same invitation that's been offered for thousands of years. And it's the same clash of missions. Maybe you have a, this, this mission to save yourself, this mission to be successful, this mission to build up an image or a reputation or an identity, and you're just spearheading toward it. And if anybody were to ask you, or ask to, to describe you, they, they would describe your mission and the things that you're after. Maybe it's time to drop all that stuff so you can come to Jesus and let Jesus be your identity. Let Jesus be your image. Let Jesus become your direction. Let Jesus become your Savior. There's some people here in the room that are thinking, well, yeah, I, uh, you know, I, got, I got saved, as we call it, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, two years ago. And, and, and here's the funny thing. Is sometimes we, we, we accept Jesus. We say, yes, I want to follow you. Thank you for forgiving me. I'm saved. And, but then we fail. We mess up. We don't measure up. So what do we do? We go to religion. Okay, I, I, I screwed that one up, so now I, now I got to work. Now I got to go after those traditions. Now I, I, I got I to do these things to be saved because I messed that one up. Jesus doesn't work that way. 
Jesus wants you to come back to him again and again. That's why his word says his, his mercy is new every morning. Jesus' grace and mercy doesn't act like those terrible Coles Cash coupons that are only good for one week. And they're like, oh, you're going to be saved? Well, you got seven days, and at the end of that, if you screw up again, you're on your own. Too bad. No, Jesus' grace never expires. You can come to him again and again and again. Jesus, yes, died once for all sins. He died once for all people. But we can come every morning to him. God, save me. God, I need your grace just as much today as I did the first time I believed. Jesus, I need your forgiveness just as much today as when I, I, I prayed that sinner's prayer or that day I got baptized or the day I remember I gave my life to you, whatever that moment was for you. Don't think that that was, that was it and now, and now you got to just trust religion to get you closer to Jesus. No, take religion away, drop it, and let Jesus be your Savior all over again and let it never stop. Let it continue tomorrow and the next day and the next month and the next year and let you pass that grace and mercy on to the generations to come so that we will have a movement of young people who are not following religion, who aren't following causes, who aren't following traditions, but they're following Jesus, their Savior. Jesus came to save people, not religion. So drop your religion, come to Jesus today for the first time or the hundredth time. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for being a God that saves, a God that loves, a God that's faithful, a God that's here, a God that notices, a God that cares, a God that heals. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here in this room that, that needs you, that needs that healing, physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing, that God, that they would stretch out their hands. That they would stretch out their hands to say, I, I, I need you, Lord. I believe in you. I believe in you more than religion, more than traditions, more than any of that. I, I just need you. And if you're here today and you've never received God's forgiveness for your sins, if you've never, you've never accepted the gift of salvation, you've never decided to follow Jesus, then let today be the day. Let today be day one of your new life. And go ahead and repeat this simple prayer after me. Lord, I need you. Please forgive me, Jesus. I can't do it on my own. I've tried and I failed. I believe you are the Son of God, and I believe salvation comes from you alone. And I want to call you Savior and Lord today. Lord, as we continue on this week in our in our lives that you've you've given to us, may we put you first. And may we let you save us every single day and help us get rid of our religion that we don't need. In Jesus' name, amen. Did you decide to follow Jesus while listening to this podcast today? We want to celebrate with you and help you with your next steps. Click the link in the podcast description to get connected with a pastor and your next step. If you want to learn more about what's going on at City View, download our City View app 
through the App Store or the Google Play Store. You can find everything from special events, outreach opportunities, and additional resources all in one centralized location. Links are in the description below. Thanks for listening. For more information, check out our website at cityviewphx.com or download the CityView app on the App Store.